Welcome to Awakening Divine Wildness, hosted by inspirational speaker and best-selling author, Mal Duane. Mal invites you to embrace your divine wildness with powerful conversations with visionary women. Listen in and learn how to move from pain and heartache to forgiveness and freedom so you can live the life you deserve. Well, today I am honored because I'm going to get to share with, to, with you someone who's been a tremendous influence in my life. She's my beautiful, sacred teacher that I do so many classes with. I've learned so much from this woman. I feel like I'm walking down a spiritual path and she's holding my hand. And it's time that I share her with all of you. Janet Connor is a prayer artist, artist. She's a deep soul explorer and a field guide in the mystic. Her first book, Writing Down Your Soul, became a bestseller, opening a path to six more, including The Lotus and the Lily, which is my favorite, Soul Vows, and Find Your Soul's Purpose. When prayer artists came calling, Janet found herself writing a whole new genre of post-patriarchal prayers, redefining prayer altogether, and leading radically different prayer intensives. She completed the six-year run of her highly successful radio show, The Soul-Directed Life, to create a new kind of podcast, Praying at the Speed of Love, inviting famous authors to share intimate stories about their prayer lives. To make all this possible, Janet lives a quiet life filled with silence, solitude, and joy in the tiny town of Arizona, Florida, on the Gulf of Mexico. Oh, my beautiful teacher, I'm so happy you're with me today. Oh, and I... Beautiful books of yours that I love, love, love. And Soul Vows, yes, wonderful books. But this is my favorite, and I'm doing the course for the third time this year and gearing up to do my beautiful sacred mandala for 2020. And I'm so excited about doing that. I'm going to start on the 31st and finish my project on the 1st. But Janet, you have touched my life in a way that very few people have. You have left a lasting imprint on my soul. And very few people do that. And so it's just you had to be here. I just had to have you on. And I know how busy you are with prayer intensives. And you've got a new course coming out in January. I may have been the first person to sign up. If not, I was the second. And, um, you know, on Theta, getting into deep Theta. And so we're going to talk about that today. But what inspired your journey? I mean, girl, all of this came about because you were on a crash and burn path from a violent, horrific divorce. So share a little of what inspired all of this, and then we'll get into the good stuff. Well, and maybe that's why you and I are such sisters, is that the worst thing that ever happened to you, and it, and at the time it's happening, and for 
you and I, it was a divorce, but somebody else, it could be a cancer diagnosis, it could be a bankruptcy, it could be a death in the family, it could be an addicted child or love, yeah, right? That truck <laughs> is going to hit us, especially women, in some way. And of course, while you're going through it, you're fit to be tied, can't see through the weeds, but it, at the same time, even though you're not aware of it, it's the best thing that ever happened to you. It's the divine feminine giving you a little kiss on the cheek and saying, right this way, honey, right this way, the way you've been living, what you've been doing, you're pretty miserable, right? Okay, come on, I'm clearing the decks so that you can have the life you're here to live. And that's what happened in my divorce. Everything disappeared, all my clients, the house, the money, I mean, everything. And out of just desperation, I picked up one of these plain black journals, picked up a pen and started a conversation not knowing what I was doing at all. I get no credit for inventing deep soul writing. I just picked up a pen and for reasons known only to the divine, instead of just starting to write, I addressed someone. And in those days I wrote, dear God, comma. So right away, I was starting this different way of journaling, not talking to myself, but having a conversation with some kind of divine presence, which is kind of step one in deep soul writing, address this voice that is within you by name. And after about a week, of bitching and moaning and yelling and screaming and basically vomiting onto the page. I guess I got sick of hearing my story. And I, you know, once again, no book, no training, no, nobody telling me what to do. I simply asked a question. And I guess in the first week, I hadn't bothered to ask any questions. I was just letting dear God, whoever that fool was, know how bad things were. And excuse me, you should be paying a little more attention here. I was just complaining. And one day I asked a question. Now I'm upset, I'm emotionally upset. And so I'm writing very, very quickly, which I now know and teach is a fabulous way to get ahead of conscious mind. Because if you're writing very slowly, then your well-trained mental processes will kind of look at what you're writing and um, start giving you advice. And you'll start going back over the same old and the same old and the same old. But if you're writing really, really fast, then you get kind of ahead of your ability and, and your brain kind of gets left behind and pow, <laughs> something popped onto the page and I dropped the pen because I knew. No filter. Right, yep. you're, out, you're out of your way. So I slowly, took me three years of arguing with this voice on the page, but I began to trust. And I showed up every day, every day. Dear God, comma, and I'd do some complaining, and then I'd ask a question, and without fail, the question would elicit something that I, I, I didn't write it. I know I didn't write it, because it, it was rich and beautiful and loving and kind, and it was about forgiveness. I went, oh, no, 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 <laughs> no, 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 there'll be no forgiveness here. I want you to punish that jerk. Well, so like I said, three years of arguing, the second I wrote a prayer of forgiveness, pow, everything changed. It changed so dramatically that my ex-husband, and I found out later the timing, 
And this is all in writing down your soul. Immediately upon my writing this prayer of forgiveness, which he couldn't have known anything about, he contacted his life insurance company, reinstated his life insurance, named me the beneficiary and died. So <laughs> all I can say is the worst thing that ever happened to me was the best thing that ever happened to me. And it gave birth to me. But prior to that, I was a headhunter. It gave birth to somebody who writes these books, teaches these courses. It pre prepared the way for Lotus and Lily. It prepared the way for waking up last year and clearly hearing in my left ear, prayer artist, prayer artist. Even in the middle of the night, I, I, my stomach went, <laughs> I, I didn't know what a prayer artist was, but I had never heard of it. And I was pretty sure that whatever this was, it was about to change everything. So the next morning, I came downstairs, I picked up a pen, I now write to the Divine Feminine under the name, The Loved Vibration of Sophia. And now I was crying and I said, I don't know what this prayer artist means and I'm pretty sure it changes everything. So I'm crying, but I'm in communion, I'm in this deep state, which I now know is in the mystical theta brainwave state. And I just wrote, but if you want me to be your prayer artist, I will be your prayer artist. Immediately, the first prayer came through. And they just came and they, they just come. They come in the middle of the night. They come when I'm writing. They, they just come. This is not my planning anything, but I am obedient. And it did change everything. It changed. Now I offer prayer intensives. I did have to end the Soul Directed Life. I loved that show. You loved that show. Everybody loved that show. But oh, praying at the speed of love, having famous authors talk to you about their prayer lives, their intimate, you cannot have more fun than this. So I said, yes, you want me to be your prayer artist? I'm your prayer artist, but then you know what, Mel? I, I went online one day and I went, you know, I wonder if there's a prayer artist. And I Googled prayer artist. How many billions of searches on Google, right? Not one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you not only want me to be your prayer artist, I'm your only prayer artist. <laughs> And I, I am having the time of my life. I know, I'm watching you and you are so excited, passionate about all of this. And what I think is, is so amazing from all of this is there were two things here that have absolutely exploded your life. The power of prayer and the power of forgiveness. Mm -hmm has absolutely changed the course of your life, yeah. the way you do business, the books that you're going to write, the intensives that you teach, everything yeah. has changed because of those two things. Yeah. And they're really one and the same. I'm not sure I can separate because if you're in a state of prayer, real prayer, okay, now, if you open the OED, you can kind of see it hiding back there. And that happened because one day in a prayer intensive, a woman who had been raised a strict Muslim and had left that practice. I was raised a strict Catholic and I had left that practice. But I was offering these things called prayer intensives. And the first few I offered were with a uh, kahu in Hawaii, 
Kahulahela, and they were on Ho'oponopono, talk about a forgiveness prayer. And this woman said, out of the blue, I hate that word. And I startled, and I said, uh, you hate the word prayer? And she said, oh, I hate that word. And it's because I'm so grateful that she said it, because that got me to get up and open the Oxford English Dictionary and look at the definition of prayer. We all hate prayer if prayer is what it says in there. But what it says in there is what patriarchy, whether you call that Judaism, uh, Christianity, Islam, um, any of the patriarchal religions, they have dictated, as they have for so many things, what prayer means. You know what it says in there? That prayer is number one, supplication. So you're begging. You are supplicating and begging an external God. They don't even have to say male God. That's just taken for granted, right? That cranky guy with long white hair that we all, as children, like, okay, that's God. That will send us to hell. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then, yeah. So why are you supplicating that cranky guy? Because you're in deep shit with him. And if, you, if you're not a good girl, bad things are going to happen. Oh. You know, and we, are, we swallow these horrible stories. So the third part of the definition is you do your supplication of this external male God following a formula. I, I, I sat here and cried when I got out the OED. And then, I mean, how could the OED be wrong, right? But I went in my son's room and I got out um, Miriam's. I got out like five, every dictionary I could find in the house. I went online. They all say the same thing. And I think this is when I understood, oh, this is what you mean about being a prayer artist. I have to redefine prayer. And you're I doing it. Redefine prayer. You are doing it. And I am doing it. <laughs> so this is how I started, though, in Deep Soul Writing. After reading those definitions, I said, okay, Sophia, you want me to be your prayer artist? What patriarchy says in the dictionary is absolutely not true. Every word of that is a lie. It's not just supplication. It's not external. The divine is not external. The divine is right here. And she's not male. And we don't have to follow a formula and a ritual and a time and words that patriarchal religions have created. The entire thing is a lie. So I said, so uh, what's prayer? <laughs> Give me a little help here. And it, it, over about a two or three month period, I was given four new definitions of prayer. And there might be more to come, but this is where I am at the moment. Number one, prayer is a love song. This is a love song. The divine is caressing you, kissing you. It's just like the most magnificent human relationship you can have. These are love songs. And indeed, the prayers that come through me, I didn't get this right away, but um, I would say them out loud because all writers do that. When you're writing something, or at least what I teach, that if you're kind of trying to get the feel for it, you're not sure if this is really what you want to say, you say it out loud. And then the, you hear the, ry the rhythm. Rhythm for me in writing is a big, big, big deal. So I said my own prayers out loud. And I, I found myself kind of going, I went, wait, wait a second. These are lyrics. <laughs> wait, 
saying, these are lyrics. Sure. Oh, so they really are love songs. Number two, prayer is medicine, sacred medicine. This is the divine feeding you like a mother a hen feeding her babies. Sacred, sacred medicine. So that means real prayer, not the prayer in there, not the prayer I learned as a kid, but real prayer caresses your body, your whole body. It cherishes your body. Well, right away with that definition, there go all the patriarchal prayers. Tell me patriarchal prayers that cherish the feminine body. I never heard them. Condemn so, it. <laughs> I write them. Condemn it. <laughs> so it cherishes your body. It embraces your heart. You can feel it. You can feel the divine just mwah, holding male, loving her completely. And it blows your mind. It just rearranges your mind. So if you think you can kind of follow along, be, 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 that's patriarchal, that's words in order, that's not prayer. So the third definition came as a big surprise to me. It's a relationship. When you pray, you are in a relationship, A, with prayer itself, because prayer is alive. It's alive. But you are in a relationship, just looks sort of like you're in a river with everyone who has ever prayed. Yeah. Oh, oh, you're not alone in your living room saying a prayer. You are in a living relationship with prayer itself. And prayer, because it is a human, it is everyone that's ever. Okay, and then the fourth definition I got a little help with. I called my friend Margot Master Markey, who's the voice of the angels, because, you know, if you're awakened in the middle of the night and told you a prayer artist, you just might like to have a little divine help. And so I always have a conversation with the angels, with Margot, and with the masters and teachers of the Akashic Record through Laurel and Bunn. I contacted both of them and said, <laughs> we could use a little help with this prayer artist thing. So I asked the angels for help with prayer. I mean, come on, they're angels. <laughs> Couldn't you tell me what prayer is? Don't you know? And they weren't forthcoming right away, which drove me crazy. Come on, can't you just tell me? <laughs> but finally, they took pity on me. Now, listen to what they said. They've said this over a year ago, and I'm just beginning to digest it. They said, see, angels, prayer is the vibration of love that goes beyond all universes. Got that? <laughs> okay. It's a vibration. I, I can, okay. I can, I can get that. I can, I can get that because everything is vibration. The universe is vibration. Color is vibration. Light is vibration. Numbers are vibration. It's a vibration of love, only of love. Okay, I can even kind of, but now wait a second. It goes beyond all universes. What, what universes are we talking about here? Uh, in other words, can't you just sort of see it? It's beyond, so here you are, one little person expressing a prayer out of your heart, out of your mouth, out of your life, and somehow, that is a vibration of love, even if you don't feel like you're coming, and it goes, and it goes. Now, that has to mean, because vibration touches and impacts. So the, the prayers, I say, here are, 
where are they? What are they doing? See what I mean? This is, anyway, those are my definitions of prayer. Love songs, sacred medicine, relationship, and the vibration of love. That's not in the OED. And in my lifetime, it won't be in the OED. But if I do my work, if we all do our work, you know what? In a couple more lifetimes, I expect to come back <laughs> and find the real definitions of prayer. Janet, you use a process when you're doing your soul writing. You, you talk about getting into theta, which takes you into this place of, of being in communion with this vibration, in communion with your soul, with this writing that you mm -hmm. do. Share what you mean by getting into Theta because you have a program opening up in January, you know, that, that teaches this. But explain a little bit to the audience what you mean by dropping down into Theta. Into theta. Because it's magical. Which, which, A, it's unbelievably magical. And I knew nothing about it. So there I am going through this divorce, doing my daily deep soul writing, following the guidance that I received. My life was completely transformed. And that finally did get the attention of a publisher. And they contacted me and at one point gave me a contract to write this book about writing down your soul. So I'm sitting right here and I go, well, uh, Houston, what are we gonna do here? Because I can't write a book about Janet's story. This is what happened to Janet, who cares, right? It has to be, here is Janet's story to simply illustrate a practice that will change your life too. Well, in order to say it's gonna change your life, I needed some sort of, I, I felt I needed some sort of scientific explanation so I started out with psychology because there is today over 30 years of research started by Dr. James Pennebaker, the chair of the psych department at the University of Texas in Austin. So it's not Janet making this up. There is 30 years of psychological research on the efficacy of writing. It can change your life. So, and he wrote a wonderful book that's quoted in mine, Writing Down Your Soul. His is called... I'm drawing a blank. Journaling <laughs> workshop? It's, it's right over there. I have one of his books. It's called The Journaling Workshop. Oh, well, he's written like 10. So in his book, in his research, I found absolute confirmation that the physical practice of journaling, never mind deep soul writing, but journaling has the power to lower your heart rate, reduce depression, and even increase the activity and the presence of T lymphocytes in your body. Now, you might not know what the T lymphocyte is, but it's a big, big, big deal because those are the agents in your body that literally kill cancer cells. This is a good thing. So I read his book and other books by him and I, and I contacted him and we had some email exchanges and okay, psychology can absolutely prove that writing has power. But then, you know, I thought, oh, there's something missing here. And the next thing that came to me was Candace, Candace Pert's Molecules of Emotion. She's the one, she's one of the talking heads on um, What the Bleep. She's the one who discovered that your emotions, positive emotions, negative emotions, anger, jealousy, it doesn't matter. 
are not in your head. They're not in your heart where we have a tendency to think of emotions. They are in every single cell of your body as neuropeptides. And if you remember that movie, there's like these funny little cartoon globs of purple globs and green globs and black globs. That's how the movie illustrated these neuropeptides in every cell of the body. And then the person would do some pretty stupid things <laughs> based on the crazy purple neuropeptides. It's an adorable way to illustrate these, this very profound Nobel quality discovery that she made. And in her book, which is not easy reading, in her book, there was this one paragraph. It meant so much to me. I quoted it in Writing Down Your Soul. In it, she says, when you have a negative experience, a story that you're holding inside, like our divorces, like cancer, like anything, you are literally squeezing the neuropeptides, squeeze the carotid artery. Who knew, right? So what happens is you now don't have enough food going up to your brain and your frontal cortex becomes useless. You cannot make a new decision. You just keep repeating and repeating and repeating. Yeah, well, I've lived that. But who knew that it's actually because your carotid artery is being squeezed by these negative neuropeptides. When you write, now I've got psychology and the biology to support it. And I think, you know, I actually could write a book. But my gut said, there's a third. And I had not a clue what the third was. So you know what I did? Picked up a pen and I said, DG. I was still writing to Dear God back then. DG, DG. Thank you for the psychology. Thank you for the neurobiology. I know there's something else. I don't know what it is, but you do. And I would just like to point out that we're working under deadline here. <laughs> I have a very intimate, I mean, this is not, mm, this is intimate. Anyway, the next day, because the divine works fast, I heard an interview with some consciousness coaches in New York City who train people to change their lives by changing their brains. Now, I didn't understand what I was listening to, but my stomach went, you go get them, girl. So <laughs> I sent him an email and said, can, can we please have a conversation? And we had this lovely conversation and they said, writing is the most effective spiritual practice, period. I went, whoa, you're my people. You are so my people. And so I, somehow that gave me the courage to open my mouth and say something I had never said to anyone. And I said, so what does it mean when you are writing so deeply, so fast, the pen sort of has an energy all its own and you couldn't lift it if you wanted to and then something comes through onto the page that you know that you didn't write. Hell, silence, silence. And I think, oh God, what have you done, Janet? Now these people think you're crazy because that does sound pretty crazy. And I was sitting here in panic thinking, how, how do I like pretend I never said that <laughs> get the conversation to come back? Otherwise, these people are going to refuse to let me quote them. And I wanted that sentence 
Writing is the most powerful spiritual practice on the planet. Well, Robert just needed a minute to take a breath and then out of his mouth, this is one of the most profound moments in my life, but I didn't know it at the time. He said, Janet, I do not know how you've done it, but you have trained yourself to enter mystical theta. Now, I had no idea what theta was. Never mind mystical theta. But I sort of screamed because, you know, ha, I've, ha. And then he realized that I didn't know anything. And that got me started with his help learning about the brainwaves. So the short kindergarten version is that we spend our days in a very high speed beta, beta, beta with a B. And in our patriarchal systems, education, I mean, we, we have first graders that have to take antacids because they're so freaked out about whether or not they're going to pass some bloody test, right? So this is the beta brainwave state. And then you finally get through all of school and you get a job and the corporations are, get it done, where are your goals? Ba -ba -boom, ba -ba -boom, ba -ba -ba. This is all patriarchy. This is all judgment, 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 judgment. Well, you that keeps you in the beta brainwave state. And I eventually, because I did a lot of research on this, I learned that the brain scientists say, not Janet, the brain scientists say that when you are worried, the second you're worried, you're in one brainwave and one brainwave only. That's proof that you're in the beta brainwave state. Well, guess what you can do in the beta brainwave state aside from worry? Zero. You cannot solve a problem. You can't think your way to anything. You're frozen. No and yet, our education systems, corporate systems, religious systems, while you're supplicating that external God, you're worried, <laughs> right? Everything in the first world forces us to constantly stay in beta. Now, if your brainwaves slow down a little bit, you can actually get some work done. Well, that's great. And um, do you remember that famous book? I think it was in the 80s called The Zone. Some um, Russian uh, scientist, I think, wrote it. But it's about the alpha. If you slow your brainwaves down a little bit, and there are levels and levels of this, you can actually get some work done. And you can have that experience of looking at the clock and going, where the time go? What, it's eight o'clock at night. Have I eaten yet today? <laughs> but in alpha, you are rearranging, so to speak. You're collating information you already have, which is great. You can write a book outline, you can design a course, you can set up a project. It's all great work, but you're not accessing brand new ideas. There is only one brainwave in which you have access to, call it divine mind, call it creative blueprint, call it whatever you want. There's only one brainwave and it's called theta. Starts with a T-H, theta. So it's not quite as slow as Delta, which is sleeping. It's between four and eight sine wave, four, eight Hertz. This is the juice of being a human being. This is the magic. These are the ideas that shock you. This is being awakened in the middle of the night and hearing prayer items. This is being in the shower and downloading the entire um, outline of a book which happens to me all the time. This is waking up in the morning and seeing, seeing 
the cover, the title. This is waking up and hearing music. I am not a musician. I mean, not even slightly. They threw me out of choir because I couldn't carry a tune. And even the piano teacher told my mother, you know, she doesn't really have to come back anymore. And yet I'm awakened and given music for the events that I'm creating. Excuse me, that's only the theta brainwave state. So thank you to James Pennebaker for proving that writing is effective. Candace Pert for proving that until you release the negativity that you're holding in your body, your brain is useless anyway. And then, oh, to the gods that brought me the information. And so now everything I do is about how can we drop into theta and from there, those moments of mystical theta. And yeah, you, you mentioned and you're gonna be there for the live. It opens up, um, I forget the date, it opens up January 20th. Great. And it's called, I love this so much. Now, mind you, I saw it. I saw the title and the logo for the title in the middle of the night. This is once again, Theta. So the title is Theta, the radical path of love hidden in your brainwave. Ooh, it's because this is who we are. This is how we're wired, but patriarchy has not focused on love. Patriarchy has focused on performance and winning and me, 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 you know, set your goal, blah, 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 and, and, and kept you here. Theta is already in your body. It's already, it's who you are and how you're wired. You are this radiant creature of love. And love here is a big word. Love is divine love. Love is human love. Love is family love. Love is adoring the work that you're given to do. Love is loving mother earth. Love is looking at water and lettuce and love is life. And when we know how to see through theta eyes, here through theta e, oh, life just gets outrageously delicious. And But I, you know, it's funny now that I had that interview with the Colts, the name of the couple in New York in nine. In 2007, because I turned in the manuscript yeah, at the end of 2007. So it's only 12 years later <laughs> that I really am coming into the, I shouldn't say the full bloom because there's always more, but now I'm really on fire to give everybody. But it does seem like women come first. Women get this. Come with me and play in the mystical data brainwave state. It's like the juiciest sandbox on the planet. And this is how we're going to embed love in the world. This is how we change the world. So I know that the um, intensive is up on your site. So people yep. can go up there and sign up. Also, you have some resources on your site and you were going to uh, give us a brief description on one of those and how they can get it. I mean, you have so much up there, but you kind of picked a special one. Yeah, and more to come, more to come. Uh, yeah, I had, that's the other thing I had to change. When you become a prayer artist, I contacted my web designer and she said, you need an entire new, sorry. <laughs> so we had to start over with, um, it's still Janet Connor, my name, janetconnor.com. But I, because it's now all about prayer, if you click on across the main navigation bar, prayer resources, 
that's kind of a taste. And there are various little videos, including there's one on Ho'oponopono. And Ho'oponopono, you want an outrageous prayer? You want a prayer that will change your life? And it's ancient. You know, these great, that's patriarchal prayer. This is what we've had for 5,000 years. If we go pre-patriarchy, which means getting into the indigenous prayer practices, you discover, first of all, that the divine has always been feminine. And the prayer practices are so, they're just radiant with love and forgiveness and inclusion. And Ho'oponopono is so ancient that it wasn't even written. You know, it comes from an ancient Hawaiian indigenous oral tradition. Aren't we blessed that Kahulahela is our guide and she is a shaman in Hawaii. And so there's several places that you can explore. Let's just start with Ho'opono. Go to JanetConner.com, click on prayer resources and you can scroll down and find a video on Ho'opono with Lahela. But then if you really wanna <laughs> experience it. When I saw um, earlier this year that in America, we have created an entire prison system we call it the immigration detention centers, but excuse me, these are American concentration camps based on racism. And I was actually awakened in the middle of the night and yelled at, prayer artist, prayer artist, you call yourself a prayer artist, do something. And there was a swear word in there too, do something. And I went, oh, okay, and I'm obedient. And I went to work and created, and my web designer and my magnificent virtual assistant, everybody stopped what they were doing including Lahela, and she made four videos with me. And the prayer practice is called, They Are All Our Children. And it's beautiful. It's really So beautiful. if you go to my main uh, homepage, Janet Connor, there's like these little buttons. You just press the button that says, They Are All Our Children. And that's a deep dive into Ho'oponopono. And join us, please, because we are cutting these negative patriarchal, Aka cords on the people who put the immigrants in these prisons. And that's the only way this is going to end. Now, this seems um, like paradoxical. You're actually praying for the oppressor. But that's why you have to look at Ho'oponopono. This is very, very, very deep prayer that actually frees people from their racism, from their anger, from their, hmm, and that's how we will finally end this concentration camp system in the United States. They are all our children. So, and now you, and you can play around and you can subscribe to the Sunday notes from the field. So you always know there's a lot, there's a lot. There's a lot there. <laughs> there's a lot. I know, I know, there's a lot there. My, my beautiful friend, thank you so much for this. And for not being afraid to step into those shoes of being a prayer artist, if you had said no, what would, what would we all be doing? <laughs> well, I'll, I'll leave you with, let me see if I can find it quickly. There is a short, because some of my prayers are not so short. But um, one day I was sitting outside let me see if I can find it, because <laughs> I don't have this one. Some of them I have memorized, but not all of them. I was sitting outside doing my deep soul writing, and I looked up, and um, 
the strangest thing was happening. I'm, I'm in Florida, so the palm fronds were kind of wafting in the breeze. And they were, they looked like they were clapping. It's like, how, how is that possible? How does, how does the wind do that? But, and I was just noticing, I wasn't doing anything, but I then put my hand back down on the page and this short, sweet prayer called Yes, which I'm still, you see, I got prayers. What, what can I say? I got prayers. Here it is. It's short. And this is not all my prayers. It's important to understand. Yeah, they come through me, but they're not for me. So listeners, listen to this and see if this isn't awakening something in you. It's called Yes. Something is being awakened in me. I hear silent love songs and know they are mine. I see whole performances in the hour before dawn and know this is what I am to do. I hear these prayers. The words wash right through me and I am moved. The palm frowns applaud. <laughs> the ospreys scream, encore! The squirrels relish my distraction. I sit in the garden and whisper, yes. Yes, beloved, yes. I am willing to become your prayer. Thank you so much for that. Thank you. Bless you. It's wonderful. Wow. Oh, what a way to end a, a show. I just, I'm, Speechless. Yeah. Well, it is perfect to end with a yes, because that's really it. Yep. The divine is kissing you on the cheek. She's speaking to you right now. All we have to do. And I hope that everyone listening will say yes to, to love. Thank you, Janet. Bless you. Thanks for listening to Awakening Divine Wildness. Be sure to visit brokenopen-book.com to get a copy of Mal's new best-selling book, Broken Open, Embracing Heartbreak and Betrayal as Gateways to Unconditional Love. And for a limited time, you can get over 40 transformational gifts from Mal's launch partners. Claim all of this goodness at brokenopen-book.com.